Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. If you're new around here, Tin stands for Travel Industry News, and on today's full episode, we're going to cover some of the biggest stories from this month. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journeys Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fam With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. Yeah. How's your week going? Uh, Actually, (laughs) in spite of all the challenges, and it's only Tuesday, um, in spite of all the challenges, it's Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yes. I've had worse weeks within the past two years. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Flight cancellations, rescheduling. But I think a lot of people just forget that trips can be impacted by things that are not COVID related. Mm -hmm. For example, the crazy storm that's over Reykjavik and Keflavik Airport right now that caused my client's flight yesterday to be canceled and they were supposed to fly out yesterday. So being able to deal with that and realizing today that they didn't get ticketed uh, for their new flights and having to deal with that. So everything's fixed. So far, so good. And guess what I felt? I felt no emotion. I just felt adrenaline, pure (laughs) adrenaline. (laughs) And you got it done. Like I told you, these are the defining moments for us as travel advisors. This is where we show our true quality. You know, when a a client comes back from a trip that went smoothly with no hitches, perfect. You did a great job. But if something were to happen that was something that's out of your control, like a storm and canceled flights, and you were the hero to fix everything That is something they're going to remember forever. Yep. So that's what I was thinking the entire time. You're the hero. Be the hero. They can't do this without you. They're going to tell all their friends, hopefully. Yep. And I will just be available if they are to need me for anything else, which I hope they will not need me for anything else on this trip because I've used a lot of my adrenaline on this trip. Adrenaline (laughs) flota. I'm all fresh out. Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta recharge. <laughs> How's your week going? Um, pretty good. I have one of my team members from Journeys here with me, and we are doing a retreat together for, with Masters in Travel, Whitney's Think Tank. So I'm super pumped about that, and it's exciting for me because everyone's here in my new hometown, so I get to show it off, which I love. Yay! Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. I wish I could be there. I wish but you were here. This did not work out this time. Well, what do you have first for us? This one is an article from Travel Age West, and it's from earlier this month from Kenneth Shapiro. Hey, Ken. And the title is As Omicron Retreats, People Are Excited to Travel Again. And this article specifically talks about what we can do as advisors to take advantage of this new opportunity. Mm hmm. So um, the article starts with saying, in some areas, travel sentiment is the highest since the vaccine rollout. 
So something Travel Age West has been doing since March of 2020 is I think it's weekly surveys they've been sending out to consumers and also to travel advisors just to get the general pulse of how people are feeling regarding certain things. And then using that data to create these articles to share with the travel industry so we know what the trends are and so we can better move forward with our businesses. Mm -hmm. So the percentage of respondents who are optimistic about the course of the pandemic climbed to 41% and nearly 77% report high levels of excitement about traveling in the next 12 months. Almost all, 92% of the travelers in the survey say they will take at least one trip in the next 12 months with most anticipating taking 3.3 leisure trips on average this year, the highest reported figure in 14 months. So definitely super exciting. And I know we're all seeing it within our businesses. And uh, Ken writes, why does this matter? Travel advisors have a new opportunity to connect with clients. And it looks like family travel is the top motivator in 2022. It's not shocking that people want to spend time with loved ones. I actually did not, as I was looking through the articles for Excess Baggage today, there was one about a conference, a travel conference that's in Puerto Rico. I did not include it, sorry. But it was (laughs) that family travel was at the forefront of that conference for the first time because uh, family travel is like the big thing right now. Yeah, and Ken writes that because we know this, If you sell family travel or are looking to sell family travel or any kind of, you know, travel that involves loved ones getting together, now is a great time to reach out to new and past clients while this optimism is high and focus your marketing efforts on family vacations and small group multi-generational trips. This could also be friend groups, I think, small friend groups to go traveling. For sure. So definitely exciting. Some fast facts, one of our favorites. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of the pandemic's cloud, while 44.3% still feel COVID-19 is impacting their ability to have meaningful travel experiences, and 23.8% remain expecting that their travel plans will be impacted by the virus in the next six months, these sentiments are both on a continued decline. So numbers for negative feelings towards traveling and pessimism are declining. New York, Florida, Las Vegas, and California are the top destinations in 2022 domestically. With increased desire for travel inspiration, Americans are using a variety of media. The top sources for travel inspo include online articles and blogs, websites found via search engines, streaming video services, email, Facebook and Instagram, and printed travel and lifestyle magazines. So I'm sure... Everyone uses at least one of those platforms. Mm -hmm. So get out and share. Absolutely. Well, my first article is also from Travel Age West, also written by Kenneth Shapiro. Hey again, (laughs) Ken. (laughs) And it's called Big Challenge. Travelers are really concerned about getting stuck abroad. So, um... I know we've all heard it, right? And it seems to be, it's like it waned for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then with Omicron and so many people testing positive now, it's back with a vengeance that people are concerned about getting stuck somewhere. So 
Um, he's saying travel advisors are still facing challenging times and need more help from their supplier partners, according to a survey of nearly 300 agents, part of Travel Age West Need to Know research series. Said nearly half of respondents say their relationships with their supplier partners leave room for improvement, while only 30% describe their relationships as better than before the pandemic. And I have to say, there was a, a brand that was kind of dead to me in terms of, I would normally book all-inclusive resort, sometimes FIT staff. And the, the partner that I started working with more is really leaving something to desired. And I'm at a point where it feels like it's about the same no matter where I go. So I'm going to go back to this other partner because they have a very nice system and quoting tool that I can use very quickly to send my clients options. And so I'm sure a lot of you know what I'm referring to, uh, but I'm just like, <laughs> I, I have no lo loyalty right now, except to, to myself. A lot of my strongest partners kind of left me hanging. There's a few exceptions. Dave Mayhoffer from Celebrity Cruises. Um, I'm talking to you. You are the best of the best, but in a lot of, in a lot of situations, even my very top seller, I, I did not get, I, and still I'm not getting the support that I need. So I definitely think there's room for improvement with a lot of this. <laughs> and I feel like suppliers know that. And I'm wondering if it's, whether it's, they don't really care or they can't do anything about it right now. No, I don't think it's that they don't care. I think everyone's probably doing the best they can, but I book a high volume of travel and I can't, you know, it just gets crushing mm -hmm. when you're trying to juggle so many things at once. And I also think that when you book a lot with one supplier and you show your loyalty, then hopefully you can get the help you need when you need it. And we're not really seeing that across the board. I feel like I'm sounding like a real negative Nancy right now, but um, I do think that a lot of people have worked very hard and are still working very hard and are mostly doing the best they can. And unfortunately, it's not enough to help me do what I need to do. So it's not like I'm blaming any one particular person. But like I said, now I'm like, I just have to go with what's easy. They're all basically on the same playing field at this point. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really feeling that strong pull of loyalty to one brand over another because it's going to be the same no matter where I go. And that same I'm talking about is no good. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's tough yeah. for everyone out there right now. And yes, I know super. just we talked about, um, you know, the, the time that it takes for suppliers to get back to us in our previous mm -hmm. episode. And, you know, I feel that every single week. And I think even though I tell my clients it's taking a bit longer to get an itinerary together, make revisions, when people are leaving in less than a month and there are so many last minute trips, it becomes a point of anxiety for people that they're not... Mm -hmm seeing these faster turnaround times with a trip that's coming up so soon. And I know the anxiety is definitely like, I'm feeling that too. I'm just like, oh my gosh, sure. I know it can get done, but it's just not happening as quickly as we're used to. Right. And even when we prepare our clients, they're still not quite prepared. I think maybe they're thinking, oh, one extra day or something. And sometimes yeah. it's like, no, it's going to be several days or, yeah. but we're all getting through it. Yes. Um, 
There is a quote here from our friend Susie Schreiner, owner of Azure Blue Vacations. She says, most of the suppliers I work with have been bending over backward to make sure that our clients get every opportunity to book their trip with minimal risk and to soften the blow when they need to make changes, which I agree with. Where I see room for improvement is with international tours and cruises, especially Europe and South America. I find myself spending hours on calls and research for various country entry regulations where the protocols can seem quite muddy. It would be more efficient for suppliers to offer clear communication on updated restrictions and requirements for their products. So this article is about how people, <laughs> just to go back to this actual subject at hand, that our clients are afraid of getting stuck. So, um, but it says nearly two thirds of advisors feel suppliers are doing enough to help advisors calm clients' fears about booking during the pandemic. And another 81% report that most suppliers have done a good job at adapting their policies to make it easier to cancel or postpone bookings. And I definitely agree with that. Unfortunately, you know, I've had a few clients basically ask me to tell them you're, you will not get stuck. And it's just not something I can do. I have to, you have to be prepared for every scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do appreciate very much all of these companies offering flexible cancellation for the people that it's down to the wire and they just, it's more anxiety than pleasure at that point. Right. Right. Um, it says half of suppliers also say that being more flexible with internal policies, including cancellations, postponements, deposits, and payments would be most helpful to them as they try to make sales. This is followed by reducing call wait times and making it easier to reach out for information. Um, So it says most advisors, 70% report that suppliers provide options for more, I'm sorry, for on-site or in-destination COVID-19 testing. And 40% of respondents say that suppliers provide options or support for travelers who are forced to extend their trip due to COVID-19. And that's what trips me up. And I want to knock on some wood somewhere. I have so far not had anyone test positive in destination. But I have had a lot of clients say, what if I do? What happens then? And that's when it gets really tricky for us to figure out, mm-hmm. oh, what does this resort brand provide? What does the insurance cover? Right. Um, it's not a question any of us look forward to. Yeah. We're, we should get like, like I've been saying, we should get law degrees after this. Yeah. I just had, I'm have, I have some clients canceling a, a cruise because they're afraid of getting stuck on a ship. And I haven't heard that in quite some time. So it's, this roller coaster is uh, quite extreme. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. I feel like I need reading glasses for all the fine print. Like I'm at a point yeah. where I'm just like, okay, I just need to increase the zoom on my screen because I can't mm-hmm. read all the yep. stuff. It does end on a high note, this article, though, because it says one bit of good news, according to the survey, is that most advisors feel that clients are willing to spend more on travel this year than in the past. So that includes spending more for travel insurance and on fully refundable or changeable trips. Definitely seeing that. Just seeing the number of people who are booking last minute trips and how much they're spending on last minute trips. I can't imagine... Being like, here, take $20,000 and I'm leaving in less than a month. Mm-hmm. Just mentally being able to think about like spending that for a trip to a place that I'm, unf- I'm unfamiliar with. 
But, you know, people are ready. I think a switch yes, has flipped. Are. And they're like, we're going now. They Don't see the window anymore. and they're ready. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My next article is from Travel Pulse. And it's titled The Most Searched for Spring Break Destinations. Let me Ooh. give you a guess on number one. Cancun. Oh, yeah. Cancun is number one. <laughs> Mexico in general. Um, and this article looks at numbers from from this um, organization called Upgraded Points, where they collected data based on Google Trends, uh, the search uh Google Trends on the search engine for the past 12 months. So taking that, they're able to tell us that Cancun has nearly one third of the searches for spring break destinations. Wow. Um, And then Puerto Vallarta is coming out on top in seven states. Uh, Cabo San Lucas was named the most searched for spring break destination in California and Hawaii. That makes sense. I understand, you know, to a certain extent, people from Hawaii wanting to leave Hawaii, but it's so gorgeous there. I can't imagine (laughs) like, oh, I get to spring break in Hawaii. Or at least not to another beach destination. Yeah, exactly. So unsurprisingly, the Caribbean is also high on America's spring break wish list in 2022. Punta Cana, St. Thomas, um, Montego Bay. And what's interesting about these numbers is that they also looked at regions in the U.S. and destinations that were most popular within each region. So, for example, Cancun is winning the Midwest. Punta Cana is coming out on top in the Northeast. Montego Bay is ranking on top with the South. And then Puerto Vallarta is leading destination for travelers out West. So Hmm. interesting numbers for sure. And if uh, your clients have not booked spring break yet, it's a little bit late, but it can still happen. It's going to be expensive. Yep. But it can still happen. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to, this article kind of follows up my last article. And this one's from Travel Market Report. And the title is Asta says it's time to remove testing requirement for vaccinated inbound travelers. Amen. Please yeah. do. Obviously, that would alleviate a huge amount of these fears about getting stuck somewhere because, you know, you hear all these stories about false positives and all this crazy stuff. So, I think eliminating this test would be huge. And there was an article on another publication that I can't remember which one now might be a far where the headline was more like they're saying it would um, encourage vaccination. In fact, because if you could get away from that testing requirement, a lot of people, it's interesting how many people will get vaccinated just to travel. So Um, It says the 24-hour inbound testing requirement is the single biggest barrier to the travel industry's full recovery in the U.S., and it's time for the White House to remove the requirement for vaccinated travelers. That is the message from a new article from Zane Kirby, the president and CEO of ASTA. So he said the 24-hour requirement, which was was a 72-hour requirement until late, late last year represents a practical challenge for many Americans and a missed opportunity for the White House, which has continuously pushed for incentives to get more Americans vaccinated. So 
that's where I saw it, is that Zane had said it. Um, he says, quote, if the administration is serious about achieving its primary policy goal of getting more Americans vaccinated, it should rescind the CDC's testing requirement for those U.S. citizens who are fully vaccinated. I want to see the numbers from lobbyists and what they're connected to. Who's making money? <laughs> Who's making the money? Who is profiting? Yes. Yep. 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 It says, he says doing that will reopen the world to 200 million Americans, 95 million of whom traveled abroad in 2019, who are already vaccinated but hesitant to, be, to risk being stuck abroad. So many factors. And even I'm popping bottles. Yeah. When that comes down. <laughs> well, a lot of people, like for, for my clients who are traveling to Europe within the next few months, they're asking, you know, where can we get our COVID test 24 hours before going yeah. back to the US? And, you know, on one hand, you get to look up where they can get an in person COVID test. A lot of times the pharmacy might have it, but you're also recommending you know, the at-home test with the telehealth session. And that's an additional expense and inconvenience for either option that they have to consider. So yep. please open the world back up. Yeah. And one more quote from him uh, is he says that vaccinated and boosted travelers who are 13 times less likely to test positive, 16 times less likely to be hospitalized, and 68 times less likely to die from getting COVID have already done their part. Yet the inbound testing requirement applies to all. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get that changed, please. We are manifesting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people listening will help us manifest it. Yeah. You know what? Um, if you're a believer, go ahead and pray about it. Mm -hmm. That's also manifestation. Just do whatever you need to meditate on it. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to take a little break and do some excess baggage? Sure. Sure thing. All right. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Princess Cruises will recommend not require face masks starting in March, though there will be events and venues where masks will be required. Another one from them says that Canada is removing the PCR requirement and will accept rapid tests instead. Travel Weekly reports that Delta will resume serving hot meals in first class in March. The resumption will begin on select routes of 1,500 miles or longer, then expand to select routes of 900 miles or longer. They also report that 110 cruise ships from 18 cruise lines, including the three largest U.S. brands, officially enrolled in the CDC's voluntary COVID-19 program for cruise ships operating in U.S. waters. Carnival Corp, Royal Caribbean Group both opted in, while Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings reconfirmed its January 14th decision to participate. Other brands that join include Disney Cruise Line, MSC, Sea Dream, Azamara, Viking Cruises, and Virgin Voyages. An article from Travel Pulse outlines celeb celebrities' plans for the 2023 and 2024 Caribbean season. Celebrity plans to offer a glut of diverse sailings throughout the Caribbean in 23 and 24 via eight unique ships and itineraries ranging from four to 12 nights. The brand also confirmed that its newest ship, 
Celebrity Ascent, the fourth ship in the Popular Edge series, is slated to make her highly anticipated maiden voyage on December 3rd, 2023. Another one from them says that the German National Tourist Office is encouraging travelers from the United States to visit the country this year, showcasing its sustainability, responsibility, and cultural sites in exciting new ways. Travel Agent Central reports that Papua New Guinea has announced new pandemic measures permitting international travelers to visit the country without pandemic approvals or quarantine. They also report that one and only Mexico has partnered with JVP Aviation to launch a private jet service between Puerto Vallarta and Los Cabos International Airports. Customers can now book flights between the one and only Mandarina and one and only Palmia with no membership fees or bulk flight hours. The chart is customized to suit guest travel needs. Passenger aircrafts range from 8, 12, 16, and 50 seats, besides offering a range of amenities, including a complete in-flight dining menu. And our high note today comes from Travel Pulse. There is a Golden Girls-themed cruise coming in 2023. And for some reason, the rest of my message did not paste in here, but it is departing on April 8th, 2023 from Miami and will take place on the Celebrity Summit cruise ship and transport guests to popular tourist hotspots in Key West, Florida, and Cozumel before returning to Miami on April 13th. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Um, I think I need to look for some shoulder padded clothing and book this. Thank you for being a friend. Bum, We're doing bum, it. Bum, bum. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I feel like as they're leaving the port of Miami, they should be blasting the theme song mm-hmm. as they're leaving. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be such a fun time. Cheesecake galore mm-hmm. on the cruise ship. I, I I really need to consider this. Yeah, same. Uh, the Tin Lounge on a Golden Girls themed cruise. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. don't think anything like can it. be more perfect. I love it. But just a <laughs> reminder that all our articles can be found in the show notes if you ever want to go back and reference them. Perfect. All right. Next article is from afar. And it's about how France is dropping COVID test requirements for vaccinated U.S. travelers. Woohoo! Yeah, baby! However, per usual, the French are so confusing because the requirement for um, COVID testing, if you have been vaccinated um, within the past nine months, you can bypass the COVID testing. Like that's what they're considering fully vaccinated. However, if you want to get the health pass to go indoors, the time frame from your last vaccination is four months. So like if you mm-hmm. haven't been fully vaccinated within the past four months, you have to get a booster. So that's tight. It is very tight. And I only know this because, I mean, there's the far article that talks about dropping the COVID test, but I have clients who are heading to Paris next month. And, you know, we're looking at the details for getting the health pass, you know, where you can get one of those and how. Um, and it says a four month time frame from your last vaccination. And so if your booster was four months ago. Yeah, I don't know what that means. On one hand, it's great. There's no more testing required. But on the other hand, it's like, sure. uh, now what? <laughs> What's the protocol for this? Um but 
We're just going to roll with the punches as they come. Um, to get a health pass, you have to go to a participating pharmacy, show your vaccine card, and pay 36 euros for them to give you the compatible pass with a QR code. And part of me is convinced that this is how France is going to decrease their overall uh, debt mm-hmm. is by charging these things. We should maybe consider that <laughs> to lower yeah. our our deficit but um yeah so check it out afar um it used to be let me see prior to february 12th u.s travelers need to submit a COVID test from within 48 hours of departure but like i said if you've been vaccinated within the past nine months you don't have to but double check on when you were last vaccinated and if it's been within four months okay yeah confusing per usual yes Well, we're back to um, my next article here is back to my obsession with the Crystal Cruises saga. Um, (laughs) It's from Insider Travel Report. What's the damage from Crystal Cruises untimely demise so far? This is so fascinating to me because I think we, we all have been afraid for so long that some of these big names would go under. It was a huge fear of clients who were terrified that they weren't going to be able to recover their money. And now it has happened. So it, I don't, I don't want to use the word like I like or enjoy, but I, I want to see how this plays out in case we have, we face this again, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, so apparently rumors are flying about who might buy their assets or even buy the brand. Apparently, former Silver Sea executive chairman Manfredi, uh, I'm not going to try to say his last name. The Silver Sea executive chairman has admitted to making two bids on it. And then there's also talk about someone or the possibility of them just someone just buying the Crystal Endeavor expedition ship, which was just just came on the market last year. And... um, So then it says there's a report from loyaltylobby.com, which is a publication Insider Travel Report had not heard of before, that says former Crystal Cruises CEO Jack Anderson told them that $100 million worth of deposits and final payments by customers is now outstanding and could be lost. Loyalty Lobby points out that travel experts have been preaching for years that customers should avoid paying for tickets and cash or cash-like transactions such as a check, direct debit, or money transfer. So it says credit card companies usually hold a large amount of the payments submitted in trust to ensure they wouldn't be left holding a bag of debt when a company goes under. Um, I'm sorry. Insider Travel Report just keeps every four seconds doing a pop-up, and I'm about to... (laughs) (laughs) It says they're also insured against a big default, um, but it's still questionable how many people who file a charge back are going to be reimbursed. So basically after being abandoned by its parent company, Genting Hong Kong, it now leaves a trail of debt to travelers who had put down payments and deposits all the way into 2024 to travel advisors who are owed commissions and to employees in offices, the crew that's still on ships and unpaid vendors. It says while 4.6 million in outstanding fuel bills were central to Crystal's demise and caused the seizure of their ships, 
Uh, the insolvency was triggered by its inability to cover more than $3 billion in loans took out to acquire two German shipyards. I didn't know that before. Those are huge numbers. Yeah. And just thinking about the number of people impacted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it says Crystal Cruises currently owes over $100 million to guests in deposits and final payments. The majority of these payments will likely be returned to guests, but they might need to file a chargeback, and the earlier the better. Um, he's, and they say that those who paid for their cruises by credit card will be the lucky ones. And you know what? I haven't booked a Crystal Cruise in quite some time, and I don't remember if they offer a, a discount for e-check like Viking does. Mm-hmm. But again, why I'm so fascinated and following this story so closely is, you know, I do book a lot of Viking. I do have a lot of people take advantage of that 3% or I don't remember exactly what I think it's 3% uh, discount. And I love for them to get that discount. But when something like this happens, you feel like you have to tell them, right. You know, here has, here is what just happened with this other cruise line. And that does not mean it's going to happen to this cruise line. But you need to know because at the end of the day, they're going to be angry at you. Right. If they, if they can't get their money back. Yep. Once again, tell them everything yep. that could potentially happen. Give them the facts and then let them decide. Yep. Ugh, I hate it. I hate that this is happening, but I am all over it because. That's <laughs> <laughs> just seeing, this is, you know, the precedent setting Exactly. That's exactly scenario. It. You know, what happens to Crystal? If God forbid something else happens to a major cruise line, mm-hmm. we will have some kind of history. To Idea. See. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, my last article is from afar and it talks about how U.S. citizens will need to register to travel, in, uh, register to travel to Europe in 2023. Mm-hmm. So this is a topic of conversation a few years ago, because this was supposed to take place in 2021. And it's not a visa. Um, It's to promote or to, to facilitate visa free travel for countries that currently don't need a visa to travel to Europe. So this article says that the launch of the ETIAS travel authorization is currently slated for January 1st of 2023. So um, the reason why they are trying to get this actually to be a thing, and it stands for European Travel Information Authorization System, uh, it's in in an effort to keep tabs on any potential terrorism-related issues. And the process is changing because they, the EU wants to implement this new travel authorization program to protect and strengthen its borders amid mounting terror threats in Europe. By requiring visitors to register, the EU will be able to identify any possible threats or risks associated with travelers coming into these countries before they arrive. So I know for European travelers, there is a program for them to come to the U S it's going to be very, that is very similar to what the EU is implementing. So I guess it's only fair that we go through the same hoops as Europeans do when they come to the U S. Yep. And I think it's the same process for going to Australia and New Zealand. There is like a visa online visa like mm-hmm. program for you to apply for, uh, before you actually go. So, um, this is not a visa. 
it's emphasized that it's not a visa. It's a travel authorization for visa-free visitors. Um, travelers currently visiting European member countries visa-free will acquire an ETIS, ETIAS from 2023 onwards. And once you apply, it's good for three years or until oh, your passport okay. expires. So you don't have to keep doing it every time you go to Europe. You don't have to go to the consulate to make an application. You don't need to give them any biometric data. It's all done online. So tied to your passport. Um, I couldn't see if it costs money to do it. I'm not sure if it costs. Oh, there is a non-refundable seven euro application fee. Ah, well. So there's got to be someone paying the admin fee somewhere, somehow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's it. Seven euro is not bad. This article lists different countries where this is going to be required. Um, So you can go ahead and click on this article to see the different countries. There's a lot of them, basically EU countries. So I'm not going to list them off for you. (laughs) The entire Schengen zone. Yes, the entire (laughs) Schengen zone. And then some. (laughs) Well, now that we've talked about all of this logistical stuff, is there a destination that's been on your mind? Yes. And it's in Europe and it's going to have to be Italy. Mainly because recently, like within the past week and a half, I've been working on some really unique Italy itineraries. They're not your typical Rome, Florence, Venice. They're ones that are, you know, like driving within Tuscany, staying in these little Tuscan towns and doing like food related things. I have another one. The husband is really into cars. They really want to do Motor Valley in Italy. So it's really interesting and unique excursions and experiences that when I see that, I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is so cool. I need to go back to Italy and do these off the beaten path type of experiences. And of course I'm using a DMC that I found using a rep company. So that's how I'm getting these really cool (laughs) experiences. But that's the best, right? When you've been doing this for so long, but then you start working on some itineraries that actually excite you. I love that. Yes, absolutely. And I'm just, I'm more excited too to know that when these clients travel their itinerary, they're just going to be in so much awe of what they're seeing and doing. So I can't wait for that. It's like planning a surprise party for somebody and like you're just as excited for the surprise party as the person it's being hosted for. So (laughs) I love that. What about you? I've been thinking a lot about Spain and Portugal. So we have mentioned before, uh, Teresa and I are going on a south of France immersive cruise this summer, but it starts in Barcelona and I love Spain and I can fly nonstop to Barcelona from Mexico city, but I'm kind of considering going in early and what should we do? And should we just do like Southern Spain, maybe even take that ferry over to Morocco for a day, or do we head further West and go into Portugal? So I'm kind of just starting to play around with logistics. I should probably go ahead and book my flights for my April trip before I dive into the July trip, but you know. Priorities, whatever excites my worst you the most. Client. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it ends so that particular particular cruise ends in Genoa 
And I was just going to say. And the airport that we have to fly out of is Milan. So I'm super excited. I'll be spending one night in Milan, most likely after disembarkation. And I love Milan. I already know where where I'm going to have gelato. Like I already know. All right. So those are my priorities. Yeah. Well, don't think I haven't been thinking about how to get some of those Portuguese pastries. Oh my goodness. I will send over the best place to get one of those or two or three. Perfect. (laughs) So uh, is there anything in particular you've been loving lately? Some people might laugh at this because they've been doing it for a while, but I've been loving reading books on my Libby app. And that's through the uh, library card that I got recently, like a a couple months ago. And I was like raving about it because I'm like, I didn't know you could have so many things in terms of services with your library card. And I haven't had a library card since I was a teenager. So being able to now read ebooks on an app versus having to read physical books. I've been reading so much and it's not just fiction books. Like I've been reading um, business related books as well. Uh, So I just finished profit first over the weekend. I got a notification that my book was due in 10 hours and I still had like a chapter to read. So I was at a friend's birthday get together and I was like sitting there finishing the book (laughs) because I couldn't renew it because it was such a long line of people to uh, borrow profit first. So I'm like, I just have to finish this. And it was super interesting. I know a lot of people have read that already. It's been around for a while, but I've never gotten to it. And so when I saw that it was available to borrow on Libby, I went ahead and borrowed it, read it, loved it. And so currently I'm reading this book called Do Nothing by Celeste Headley. And I first found out about this book through TikTok. And it mm. talks about how our idea of work has changed within the past hundred you know, a few hundred years in the past few centuries and how for most of the human experience on earth, like just the human, whatever history, um, people have had more leisure time versus being at work. Like in ancient Greece, they had 180 days off a year Mm -hmm. and work was based on, you know, really intense spurts like their wave season for example like they would do wave season for three months and then not work for the rest of the year but um it's figuring out how we could apply that prior like prioritizing leisure time to our everyday life now and how we can make our lives like the quality of living that much better and so we're not always in our work so mm, I like the sound of this. Yeah. I have a bunch of audible credits to use up and I'm just now finally reading. We should all be millionaires, mm-hmm. which I'm enjoying very much as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, nice. Boo I'm, I'm the industrial revolution. Boo the steam. <laughs> yeah. Not just kidding. Glad we have those. Glad we had the, uh, the inventions to make our lives more comfortable and convenient, but you know, it'd be nice if we just stopped work when the sun went down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. What about well, what about you? What are you loving right now? I am loving mezcal. Ugh, um, sorry, so- <laughs> I'm, I can taste it in the back of my throat. <laughs> I wish I liked it. I wish I liked it. Well, I thought I didn't like it, but then I decided to give it more of a chance. Now, when you get mezcal here, it comes in like a, some kind of a small shot glass or just a little tiny brandy snifter or whatever. 
And then they serve it with orange slices with sal de gusano, which is a salt and chili and crushed up worm. These worms that attack the agave plant, Mexico doesn't waste anything, so they crush those suckers up and serve it with the mezcal that they make from the agave. It tastes, you would never know it if someone didn't tell you there was crushed up worms in there, but it tastes delicious. And so I learned how you taste the orange first, then you take a tiny sip of the mezcal, you don't shoot it, you, you know. And then I've also been learning a lot about the age of it, which really matters. The younger it is, the sharper it is. Um, but, you know, it is a smoky flavor for a lot of people, no matter how old it is, no matter how smooth it is, they're not going to like the flavor. But I've really been getting into it and enjoying trying different things. And the other day, this guy said, uh, asked if I wanted to try some piña, which is pineapple, and he put the same salad gusano, and that was delicious. So it's been like a hobby and learning about the age and the brand. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like getting into wine, I guess, where you really learn a lot about right. where it comes from and how it's made. So um, I've been enjoying that, and I will be having some this weekend for sure again. <laughs> I will make an exception. I will try mezcal whenever I go visit you. Because you yeah. make it sound fun. Yep. <laughs> I think you can make it fun. And like I said, I, I don't know what I had before. I didn't really like it. Oh, and I will say, the other night I went to this bar and they had mescalitas, which is like a margarita, but made with mezcal. And they made one with jamaica, which is mm. hibiscus. So it was hibiscus and the mezcal, so sweet, and then the smoky, and then they did the chili lime salt around the rim. So it was like this complex combination of flavors and I loved it, but can't go too crazy because of the sugar. That would be a one heck of a hangover, <laughs> but one of those, and then you just drink straight mezcal the rest of the time and you're good to go. <laughs> Noted. I'm, I am taking down all these Korean tips for central Mexico right now. <laughs> well, when you come, you'll have me as a guide. So you won't have to think about anything perfect, at all. Perfect. <laughs> Well, everyone, thanks for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative. All the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. Oh, and I wanted to tell you, I've been working on a travel joy setup for Judy Global Car with uh, Mouse Made Simple. She's amazing. And she was telling me how much she enjoys our podcast. Oh, thank and that you. She absolutely, like, she really connects with just getting these little bits of information and not having to read all those emails. And she just said exactly. It was like she was repeating our mission to me. So it made me really oh, happy. Oh my good goodness. That is so magical. Thank yeah. you. Yep. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments or would just like to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge, where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. See y'all next week. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.